My name is Shandy Chernow, and you're listening to the Shandyland Podcast. This is my very first episode, and I've never done a podcast before, so here I am, not having any idea what it is that I'm doing, but apparently I need to introduce myself and my story to you a little bit and tell you what we'll be doing as I record these episodes of this podcast. So I'm a single mom, I'm an artist, I'm an entrepreneur, and I love dogs. I have two kids, two little boys, and two dogs, one of whom is kind of a jerk and one of whom is kind of adorable. Uh, During this podcast, we'll talk a lot about food allergies, as I've started a company having to do with food allergies, a lot about restaurants and chefs, since that's what my company is focused on. Uh, But you'll also see a lot of content around running businesses, because that's hard, and parenting, because that's hard, and hospitality, food and beverage, and maybe even we'll get some art guests in there someplace. Some of the guests that I have on I know, some that I don't know, uh, and hopefully you'll see a theme of interesting conversations around these types of life topics. In preparing for this podcast, there's kind of a theme of things that I just don't know and that I have screwed up and that I've had to figure out over time. And creating a podcast certainly falls under the category of things that I don't know and apparently need to figure out as I go. So I have two kids. Uh, One is eight and one is 11, both little boys. Uh, And they've had kind of an interesting go with this whole food allergy mom thing. You hear a lot about food allergy kids and food allergy moms, you know, who have to care for those children, but you don't hear a lot about moms who have food allergies and their kids don't. Uh, I sat down the other day and interviewed them a little bit uh, to talk about how it is to have a food allergy mom and the things that they have to think about and the things that make them a little bit nervous about, uh, you know, having to potentially be the one to save my life in case there's an, you know, an emergency or an event or something like that. Having a food allergic mom is, it makes me feel a little different and I feel like it's scary because it's, I have to be very careful what I eat and protecting you. The one that run the drills, it, it makes me kind of feel like really stressed out because it looks like it's real and everything. If that happened, I would feel better about doing it. It's just scary. To have a food allergic mom, it's kind of scary. Because um, I don't know when or if she's going to have a reaction. But all the drills, it helps. Because I know that we know we can do the right thing. Like, know how to do it. What happens during the drills is you fake pass out on the couch like you had an allergic reaction and then goes and grabs the EpiPen and does the jabby thing on your leg while I get your phone and pretend to dial 911. So Jab's mom, mommy is supposed to still be passed out, but she's acting as the receiver on the other end of the call. I definitely feel more prepared that way. Um, So that's been kind of an interesting and a little bit different spin on food allergies than I think you hear about a lot of the time. I'm also an artist. About four years ago, I picked up a paintbrush for the very first time at one of those, you know, paint and wine type of events. Um, You know, you go in and they teach you how to paint a particular picture. 
Uh, and I loved it so much that I ordered a ton of art supplies from Amazon. <laughs> and I have since discovered that Amazon doesn't have the best quality art supplies. <laughs> and so I found my favorite art stores around uh, Arizona. I'm now represented in, um, I think, 10 galleries, some online and some, uh, you know, in person. So that's kind of a neat thing uh, to be able to say and do. It's a great outlet for me uh, when I'm feeling stressed out or when I feel um, there's some feeling that needs to come out. There's oftentimes a canvas and some paint involved. Sometimes I know exactly what's going to come out, and other times it's completely and wildly different than the thing that was in my head. Some of them I love, and some of them get painted over, and we find new things. So about three years ago, I started Certistar, which is my company, uh, and what we do is we have food allergy software for the food industry, so restaurants, cruise lines, hotels, hospitals, schools, really anywhere that you can accomplish the task of buying food and eating it, you know, outside of your own home. Uh, I have food allergies, as you might have figured out by now. <laughs> um, I'm allergic to peanuts, tree nuts, shellfish, and pork, pork being the kind of interesting one there outside of the top eight. I was selling software to big, huge companies, uh, and I was taking a lot of people out for meals and drinks, and it really turns out that in a sales situation, it's the only time that you're not the person as a food allergy person who chooses where you go. So when you're taking somebody out for sales, it's oftentimes their choice and they'll just decide and tell you and you make the reservation, you meet them there. Um, and so I found myself not wanting to burden the conversation with my customer with my food allergies. So I would go early, like super early, like 30, 45 minutes early and have the conversation, I use a big T and a big C there, uh, the conversation with the restaurant, whether that was the hostess or the server or whoever it needed to be, figure out what it is that I could eat safely and then kind of make like a wink, wink, nod, nod deal with the person that, you know, they'd never seen me before and I was just going to order like a normal human when my customer got there. And there was a lot of energy and a lot of effort put into keeping myself safe and at the same time, removing that burden from my customers or that stigma from the conversations with my customers during those meals. And I just got tired at some point and thought, gosh, there has got to be a better way uh, to be able to do this. And that's kind of where Certistar was born from. Um, my first food allergy came on when I was 28. Uh, I didn't know that I was food allergic before that. I woke up one day with this big, huge, ginormous, I cannot stress the ginormous part of this enough ginormous lip. Uh, and my dad, who is a retired now, but, um, you know, was a long time practicing physician. I sent him a picture of this lip <laughs> and, uh, I guess I must've texted it to him, although it feels like it was so long ago that I don't know that texting pictures was really a thing. Um, but I sent it to him and he called me immediately and said, okay, number one, you've got to delete that picture. Like no one else can ever see this. It can't see the light of day. And number two, you need to go see an allergist because you've got a food allergy. So uh, that's what happened next. I went to a food allergist and they did all sorts of crazy tests on me. Um, and the only thing that showed up positive for food at that time was pork. Turns out that particular allergy test was right because the next couple of times that I accidentally ingested any kind of pork product, I got really, really, really ill. Um, and then as I got a little bit older... Uh, I, I developed into my other anaphylactic allergies, 
Um, after my second son was born, we found peanuts, tree nuts, and shellfish. As a kid, I used to have terrible, horrendous stomach pain. Um, and, you know, I had a nurse mom and a doctor dad, and we never really figured out, nor did we really, you know, kind of make an attempt. We just figured, I have stomach pain and it must be gas. And, you know, I would just kind of struggle through with that. We never really did anything about it. But looking back on it and knowing what I know now, I suspect I was having a food allergic reaction then. Um, we'll never be able to test it or prove it or show it or anything like that. But, um, you know, I just kind of feel like that was the beginnings of it, just with much less severe reactions than I have now. Uh, I went to Vanderbilt. My degree is in computer science and math. Not that that's relevant to my food allergies, just a little piece of information about me. Um, and one of the classes that I took there was a black and white photography class, which I loved, by the way. Uh, and we had to go out and take all these pictures, obviously, and I'm old enough that it was on 35 millimeter film and not digital. And so you had to develop the pictures, which sidebar was really cool. You know, you go into the dark room and the first step is in this like super, super pitch black room where you have to just by feel, you know, wind the film around this little funny uh, metal contraption. Uh, and then you start adding all these chemicals. Uh, and the, the reason that that's relevant is that we thought what was happening was related to the chemicals. My hands and my feet started to blow up like paddles, kind of arbitrarily, just sometimes and not other times. Um, and so the thought was, well, what's changed this photography class with all these chemicals? It must be a reaction to that. Again, I suspect that this was just kind of the next iteration of my food allergies. And we just didn't know at the time. So my love of photography died a quick death when we thought that maybe it was the chemicals um, that was causing these types of reactions. But uh, I suspect, you know, again, that that's probably, you know, the earlier signs of the food allergies that I have now. Um, they say that when you have food allergies, every reaction can be exponentially worse than the reactions that you've had before. And so if you look at it like that, with that type of progression, you know, when I was a kid, I had tummy pains. When I was um, you know, a teenager, early 20s, I would have these big, huge swellings happening in my hands and my feet. And then as I got older into my 20s, I started having, you know, more anaphylactic reactions. So it kind of makes sense to look at it that way. Again, we'll just kind of never know. Um, and now, you know, I, I have a tendency when I accidentally ingest one of my allergens to go into shock, my blood pressure drops and, um, you know, I lose it's, it's kind of like I'm drunk. I lose the ability to really speak coherently. I lose the ability to really make use of my hands and feet. And um, walking is a problem. Talking is a problem. Stabbing myself with an EpiPen is a problem, uh, which is obviously a more severe situation than the ones that I used to experience. And so the only real cure for my food allergies and for anyone else who's anaphylactic is to completely and totally avoid the food that I can't have which is pretty scary and difficult and challenging and all those things. And that's really kind of how Certistar ended up coming into existence because it's a huge pain in the neck to do. I love going out to eat just like everybody else. And uh, it can be really intimidating and scary. And um, you really don't want to be a pain in the neck. I hate nothing more than having my food allergies be the center of conversation at any meal with any group of people. <laughs> um, I would much rather stay out of that limelight, if you will. Um, and so Star really helps with that. And that's kind of the genesis and the direction and the reason for how it works the way it works and the reason that we exist. Um, 
finding out about my food allergies, um, I told you a little bit about my big, huge fat lip. Um, a lot of people talk about food allergy testing, which is super fun. Um, they do these little scratches. They stab the food or they stab a little uh, vial of the liquid and then they scratch your skin with it. And they do however many it takes. I mean, I've had my entire back covered in uh, scratches. I should post those pictures along with the podcast at some point because they're awful. And it turns out that the scratch tests think that I'm allergic to like 35 things. Uh, I'm not, thankfully, because that would be super difficult to figure out anything that I could eat. Um, And I've also had all the blood tests and that shows all the same things. But uh, the things that I've really ever had an anaphylactic reaction to are just those four, peanuts, tree nuts, shellfish, and pork. I'm sure that allergy testing will be a topic of some future podcast that we'll do with some future guest that I don't know who it is yet, uh, because it's an interesting topic and one that, you know, there's not really a good solution for. One of the things that's interesting, um, particularly as I've gained more and more expertise on food allergies is figuring out what to do when something goes wrong. I have said in so many interviews and so many podcasts and so many articles and TV spots, as soon as you think you're having anaphylaxis, stab yourself with your epinephrine auto injector And yet when it happens to me, I have a hard time jumping to that conclusion. Oh, it's not going to be that bad. It's not going to be that bad. It's not going to be that bad. And I will do just about anything to avoid stabbing myself with a giant needle, even though I know in my heart of hearts that it's the right thing to do. Being in that situation, no matter how many times you have practiced it, no matter how many times you have preached it, uh, there's a mental block against stabbing yourself with something. (laughs) Uh, And it's 100% the right thing to do. And yet, no matter how much expertise I have on the topic, it's hard. And so I understand how it's hard for moms out there to stab their kids or, and that sounds terrible. I mean, with the EpiPen, (laughs) I don't mean like with anything bad. Um, So when a reaction is happening, you know, I tell people all the time, you have to do the EpiPen, you have to go to the hospital, but it is a really, really, really challenging thing to do right in that moment. Um, And then when you do end up going, you have to figure out how to advocate for yourself. Um, There's been a couple of incidences where either I've been in the hospital or, um, you know, someone close to me has been in the hospital and the reactions from the first responders are wildly inconsistent. Um, And so you really have to advocate for what it is that's on your allergy plan or whatever whatever you think that you need at that moment. Um, because it might be something different than what that um, you know nurse or doctor was planning on on delivering to you. So becoming your own advocate is is really, really, really important. Um, I'm now to the point where you know, I was in the hospital this summer and I, I rolled in and I just said, you know, I'm a food allergy expert and I need you to do the following things because this is what works best in the, you know, in my and they said, okay, <laughs> whatever you say goes, and that's what we did. Um, but you know, in the past I've gone in and not said a word about it. And then, you know, they end up giving me just Benadryl or something like that. And that's really not necessarily the best course of action. So advocating for yourself is, you know, super important. So probably enough about food allergies for now. Um, you know, one of the other things that's kind of defining here in these topics that we're going to cover in this podcast is, is business. So, I started a company and became an entrepreneur, but that hadn't been my history. I'd always worked for other people. And as soon as you start a company, you realize very quickly that there is a very, 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 very long list of things that you don't know and that you have no idea and you don't know where to go find and you don't know who's going to know. And um, 
every day, I think maybe I'm down to maybe every week at this point, but it feels like every day there's something that I don't know and that I have to go figure out and that I have to remember and um, that I have to go do. There, there doesn't seem to really be a great resource that's like, hey, you're starting a company. Here's your checklist. Like, go do all of these things. I mean, you have to figure out how to incorporate yourself and pay your incorporation taxes and um, you know, figure out kind of all of these things around the ownership of the company and how to put money in it and get, open a bank account. And you can't have a bank account if you don't have an address. And if you all work virtually, you don't have an address. And there's just this never ending chain of things that you have to go figure out. And it's hard. And people oftentimes will ask me, you know, what advice would you give to somebody else who wants to start their company? And it's always just go ahead and do it because nobody else has any idea what they're doing either. So all the things you don't know, you can figure out along the way and you can find somebody to go ask. Um, I've been a part of a bunch of networking and entrepreneurial type of groups. And those people that you meet in those are great resources for these things because they're there to network and find other people who know things they don't know. And so therefore you can ask them the questions that you don't know. Um, it's, It's the dumb little things like Um, I don't know, figuring out how to make an employee handbook once you have employees. You you know that you're not reinventing the wheel here, but, you know, Googling, can I please steal your copy of an employee handbook isn't particularly the way to go either. And so you kind of have to figure out all these little things that when you work for other people, you take for granted. Um, Hiring and unfortunately firing and all the paperwork that goes along with it and filing systems and all that stuff is super duper duper challenging and difficult and a pain and yet something that you can get through. And it's, it's um, something that every other entrepreneur on the planet has had to go through as well. So somebody please write that book, you know, the checklist of all the things that you need to do to start a company and keep it going. It won't be me um, because I'm just kind of stumbling through the dark, trying to figure all of those things out. And uh, thankfully I've had quite a bit of help along the way to be able to do that. One of the things about, starting a company has been unexpectedly turning into kind of the face and voice of that company. Um, You know, you, you see this a lot, right? The Elon Musk's of the world or the Larry Ellison's of the world or the Bill Gates of the world, where the name of the company and the name of the founder are almost synonymous or interchangeable, Steve Jobs. Um, And that's certainly been the case here as well. We do get a lot of press, uh, mostly because of an amazingly good publicist that we work with named Nicole Maiden. If you need a publicist, go talk to her because she's fabulous. Uh, but also because the thing that we do is a is important and is a feel-good topic. There's so many people with food allergies and so many people know someone with food allergies, and yet it seems to be this kind of mysterious, nebulous topic out there that people always want to know more about. They're nervous to, to entertain somebody with food allergies or have them over or even go out with them. And so there's a lot of articles and news stories and whatnot that have been done about us, which is amazing, except that I found myself being that voice and that face. And um, all of a sudden there's a makeup artist and, you know, hair tools that I didn't even know existed before and, um, you know, new outfits. And it's kind of fun, but it's also kind of scary being that single point of failure uh, for the company. And what happens if I screw it up? And what happens if I say the wrong thing? And would they edit that out? And Um, it's been a really interesting journey along the way, which has culminated in me doing this podcast. Um, at this point I have done so many interviews and been on so many other people's podcasts and quite a few people had said to me, you should really start your own podcast. And so here we find ourselves kind of coming full circle in this little conversation with myself. 
So thank you for listening. Thank you for being here with me. And um, please subscribe to the podcast if you don't mind. You can find us on all the social media channels as well. And I really look forward to talking to you again soon. This has been the first episode of the Shandyland podcast. Thank you. Mm -hmm.